Hello, EA Global. Uh, woo! Um, I love doing that. It's so much fun. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited for this conference. It was so great to get to chat to some of you last night. Hear about how literally everyone, it seems, is applying for the open fill. Finding out how that, finding how that's going. I was, should I apply myself? Like, seems to be what the cool kids are doing. Um, no, so it's actually great to be able to um, uh, see you all for this conference. I'm excited for the theme as well, which is stay curious. Um, and so to kind of you know warm up a little bit, how about you all just uh, say hi to the person next to you, especially if you don't know them as much. Say something you're curious or kind of uncertain about or would like to learn a little bit more. I'll give you just one minute for that. Okay, well, from the sounds of things, there's, from the sounds of things, there's quite a lot of curiosity in the room, so um, I'm pretty happy about that. So uh, what I'm going to talk about is just a, a little bit on the kind of challenges um, and opportunities and how to think about kind of building um, a really open-minded uh, community. And so to do that, I'm going to um, create a little contrast going back two and a half thousand years to two sorts of um, communities that did exist um, and how any community can be like one of these in different ways. So the first is ancient Sparta. Um, so, you know, Sparta's amazing kind of city-state, enti entirely built around trying to you know, build the perfect army. And so communities in general can be more or less like trying to be an army. The idea is you've got this kind of single goal. You've really got something you're trying to achieve. Uh, and, well, if you want to achieve this goal, what do you want to do? You want to enforce kind of conformity of beliefs um, and conformity of values, conformity with respect to what the end goals are. Um, you also want uh, a kind of hierarchy as well, so that it's kind of un, you know, unquestioned who you listen to and um, whose views are kind of less important. So that's kind of one model I think you can have for the sort of ideal community you can kind of aspire towards. Second, in contrast, is ancient Athens, uh, where here it's just very different what kind of the Athenians uh, prized. Instead, it was much more, there was not so much of a goal when they were in the Agora, the kind of marketplace of, of ideas. Instead, it was really cherishing kind of open-ended uh, discussion following the argument wherever it leads. Uh, it was also the case that, you know, it's far less kind of conformity of ideas. Instead, it was much more about celebrating diversity, celebrating disagreement, and not the same sort of hierarchy. You know, Socrates could accost someone on, um, in the square, and, you know, the idea, at least, or the ideals they had were that the kind of the best argument would win. And so when I kind of present these two, it's like the question, well, what sort of community do we want to be? And, you know, I bet you're all thinking Sparta, because they look badass. <laughs> Um, uh, no, so I'm imagining most of you are thinking in this setup, well, obviously we want to be more like the Athenians, less like the Spartans. Um, and it's true that there's kind of many, many reasons, like benefits for the kind of Athenian sort of community over the Spartan. So one is just, well, what if you're wrong about your goal? <laughs> so um, what if you're aiming um, at the wrong thing, or at least some of your beliefs are incorrect. And it seems like social or intellectual movements in general can suffer from this problem where certain beliefs become uh, kind of 
indicators of tribal membership. So if you look at the environmentalist movement, for example, really cares about environmental destruction, about climate change, above anything. But then also as one of its core beliefs, um, at least very commonly, is also being against nuclear power, which from my perspective seems just completely insane. It seems like this is an um, amazing partial solution to the problem of climate change, but it's been kind of debarred because it seems like attitudes to nuclear power are just part of what it means to be part of the environmentalist movement. And so that seems pretty bad. It's kind of other benefits in favor of the more Athenian approach as well. So one is you've just got a broader um, appeal. You're no longer having to select on a very narrow set of beliefs and preferences or values. And that means you're going to have a much kind of wider, uh, you're going to have a much wider appeal. It's possibly also just less um, fragile as a community as well. You avoid kind of narcissism of small differences. People are just more comfortable with um, more comfortable with disagreement, and so there's perhaps less of a risk from kind of infighting, which so often plagues other social and intellectual movements. But I think it's like actually the main thing I want to convey is that actually this is a like genuine tension. This is like a genuinely deep problem. And the main reason is, like, have you ever tried to get a group of philosophers to do anything? <laughs> um, like, it's extremely difficult. Um, I was actually at a philosophy conference just a couple of weeks ago, and we were trying to get everyone to just go to the bar after the conference. Um, and, you know, it takes about an hour to kind of rally everyone together. Finally, you get people moving in the right direction. And they all follow each other, so, you know, they don't actually know where they're going. But then, but then we get to the bar... And, like, everyone just stops outside and just has their conversation. And you ask them, like, why have we stopped? They're like, oh, I don't know. I guess that um, you can't get in or something. Just no one thought about the very final stage of just opening the door and going in. Um, and this is a problem because we as, an organ, you know, we as a community, like, we really want to achieve things. We think there are really big problems in the world. Um, we want to solve them. And... You know, if there's something that's good about building an army, they're very good about um, at doing things. And so there are real benefits um, to kind of conformity of beliefs and conformity of values. So you get to solve principal agent problems. You know, if someone has the same beliefs and same values as you, you tell them to do something, you know they're going to pursue that goal in basically the same way you would. You don't have to spend effort and resources kind of checking up on them. Also just means you can have extremely high levels of trust as well. It's like, in general, it's actually kind of like the shared aims community that um, we talked about a lot last year. It's actually just very powerful, the level of kind of cooperation and coordination you can have if everyone has the same beliefs and same values. I also think there's just kind of structural reasons why there's pressure that pushes communities towards being more like Sparta and less like Athens. Um, one is just because, you know, if they're organizations that are wanting to do something, they're going to want to hire people who, you know, have a similar worldview, have similar beliefs, because they're going to be able to work better together. Or if they're providing, you're providing training or help to someone, well, it'll seem like a kind of better deal for you if you can do that to someone who's going to act more like you would think is the right way to act. So again, you're going to kind of get kind of preferential assistance provided to people who have um, kind of beliefs and values that are more like the mainstream. Then also, as a community grows, you're just more and more going to have to start relying on kind of social epistemology, you're going to have to start you know, deferring to certain people because there's just not enough time for everyone to scrutinize everything um, all at once. And again, that's you know, very good. In fact, it's kind of vital. We wouldn't be able to have 
um, sophisticated number of beliefs if we didn't do that. But it becomes much more fragile because uh, you're now, you know, a lot of weight is being put on the kind of views of perhaps a kind of smaller number of people. Um, and so I think it's no surprise that, you know, when you look around at different social movements, um, they often have this kind of Sparta, this kind of army um, uh, mentality. I think it's kind of the way humans are programmed. Uh, and so it means that we can't kind of just blithely say, oh, yeah, of course, Athens, we're free thinkers. We want to be, you know, questioning everything. That's what we're like. Instead, it's going to have, going to require like quite a bit more work. And the solution, I think, is that we want to try and get the kind of best of both worlds. Um, so in a slogan, I think we want to try and build an army of philosophers. Um, I think I'm the first person to have ever suggested this idea. Um, <laughs> but I'm going, to, I'm going to stand by it. Uh, but I think there's a few ways in which we can actually make this happen, get the best of both worlds. So one is having community that's, and this is, you know, core part of the Effective Altruist Project, is having a community that's based on kind of a higher order level than like many other communities are. It's not about kind of particular, any particular belief, but it's about um, three things which are all quite abstractly stated. So there's a decision theoretic idea of trying to maximize um, rather than just satisfy, so do enough good. Um, there's kind of epistemological view, which is being very aligned with science, being kind of broadly Bayesian in the way we think about things. Um, and then kind of set values as well, where, well, firstly, we just think everyone counts equally, and then we also think that um, promoting well-being is like at least among the most important things we could be doing right now. And I think importantly, that does actually rule out like a lot of different possible views in the world. I think it would be really bad to have a, you know, define, start defining effective altruism so broadly that everything counts. Um, I have a friend who I asked, who's in the audience, um, I'll keep you anonymous, uh, who I asked him, you know, what do you think effective altruism is? He says, I think effective altruism is acting with integrity. Um, and obviously that's just like way too broad. Um, <laughs> like no, like then your community is just kind of everyone, like because everyone wants to aspire to that. Um, but at the same time, there's still a huge possibility um, to have differing beliefs about how you do the most good and differing values as well, because um, uh, within this kind of broad idea of impartiality and welfareism, um, there's still tons of opportunity to have uh, differences within that. So one is so the first kind of select yeah solution is you know noting what kind of unifies us is a kind of meta-level um, meta agreement. And that can still unify you even if you have very different views at the object level. Um, second is then just having really strong coordination norms. Uh, so you know, part of the push towards being more like Sparta um, is, uh, is because it's so helpful with coordination. Um, you know, it means you can have trust in others. You don't have to check up on people to see kind of how they're doing. Um, but if we have very strong norms where, um, you know, people coordinate, even if you have kind of very different views, um, you trust each other, you work together, well, then the kind of additional benefits um, of having the conformity of beliefs and values are lessened to quite an extent. Um, I actually think we do kind of really well in this as a community. So, um, and, you know, we emphasized that a lot uh, last year. Um, and then the final is just a kind of cultural one as well where... Um, people feel kind of 
you know, trusted and safe in the ability to express kind of more unusual views. You're able to disagree with others um, without it, you know, without being disagreeable, without getting angry, um, without feeling like, you know, maybe I'm going to be kind of alienated or like pushed out or criticized in some way um, just for having a kind of different set of views. And I think that's kind of extremely important as well. And that's kind of something we want to really trying to just put the spotlight on um, for this conference. Um, and so, kind of with that in mind, I'm going to propose a kind of experiment for, uh, that we can all try for this weekend. Um, no idea how it will go, but we'll, we'll find out. Um, so, uh, Eliezer Yukowski once had this blog post, which is about holding a kind of new day, where you just, you know, you don't visit a website, you've... Um, visited before, you don't need any books you've had before, you just try and do everything completely new. And he says, including which, um, if you become aware of yourself musing on any thought you've thunk before, then muse on something else. Uh, and kind of inspired by this, I think we can have um, the idea of just taking kind of one belief, one view that you have that is kind of particularly dear to you, that really is like an important kind of assumption in kind of your whole kind of view of the world. And just try at least your best, at least for some of the kind of conference, to just believe the opposite. Um, uh, now, I don't want, you know, I don't want you to ruin the conference in doing this, obviously. <laughs> when I first thought this, I was like, this could really be carnage. Um, uh, you know, you've got people not believing in gravity and like you know, walking, off, walking off the building and so on. Um, don't go, maybe don't go that far. Um, but there's, uh, you know, here are the kind of example of some views that are like particularly kind of commonly held within effective altruism. And at least for some of the time, you might want to try um, just kind of thinking, perhaps you're at a talk and you think, um, okay, well, I'm at this talk that I kind of agree with. How would this look if um, I had the opposite of this kind of assumption that I'm questioning? Um, or, in fact, go to talks that would only make sense for you to go to if you had the opposite of this belief. Um, or deliberately find the people who you know actually you disagree with. And don't try and kind of get into an argument about who's right, but just kind of really try and see what the world looks like. And part of the reason I'm kind of interested in experimenting with this is that I think very often, at least, when we hold a particular view, it's not so much that we like, you know, have reasons on one side and the other and kind of assess that, but it's more that the kind of this view is just part of a kind of overall worldview, and it makes kind of sense given that worldview. And then if you can try and uh, uh, switch that, you can maybe then try and start to see, like, wow, how does, how does everything look? How does everything fit together if you have a di very different worldview? So I think the approach is actually kind of similar uh, to simulated annealing in machine learning, where the idea is, you know, rather than simply kind of optimize um, on you know, whatever belief change um, looks best kind of on the margin. Sometimes, and regularly, you just do something completely random. <laughs> and the reason this happens in machine learning is to avoid kind of a local optimum, um, where you think, well, any particular change I make just now just looks worse, looks kind of less plausible. But then that means you're stuck in some local optimum, but there's actually perhaps some better worldview that kind of fits as a package together. Um, and then I think... You know, going back to the kind of list of ideas we could have, um, also maybe avoid a kind of what Scott Alexander calls like a 50 more Stalins approach, where perhaps you're someone who thinks that 
AI timelines are very short or something. Avoid that saying, well, imagine if I thought they were even shorter or something. That's, you know, that's not kind of the spirit of what I'm thinking. Instead, something, <laughs> um, you know, instead something that is uh, like actually like, you know, quite core to you. So in my own case, what I'm going to try is, you know, I have a certain view on kind of philosophical methodology, but it's like a lot of weight on, um, you know, uh, simple theories, um, that have, you know, elegance and explanatory power, even if that means kind of an overturning a lot of our common sense intuitions. And so I'm going to try and invert that. I'm going to try and think, well, how would I start to see the world if I actually thought that just, you know, philosophical arguments, they don't have a very good track record. Why should I trust this abstract reasoning when, you know, these things just seem so kind of true to me? Um, these like particular intuitions. And this is going to be hard for me. It would mean believing that my entire career to date has been like a waste of time. Um, but I'm at least kind of going to give it a go. And so um, if, you know, you find me, you want to accost me in some sort of um, uh, philosophical argument, I'll try my best to be kind of an intuitionist rather than um, one of the kind of theory people. And so I want you to, you know, try and Experiment with this over the course of the conference. If you find you have kind of interesting, um, uh, you know, experiences as a result, if you have some updates, if there are ways in which you think, well, I've actually like, changed my worldview a little bit, or at least kind of understood how different, what it seems like to have a different worldview, then please do just email me, will at effectivealtruism.org, and um, I'll try and mention some of the uh, kind of interesting updates people have had. I'll do it anonymously kind of in the closing talk as well. Um, perhaps it'll be a whole disaster, in which case I'll, I'll pretend I never suggested it. <laughs> um, okay, well, this is the idea of kind of uh, staying curious. Um, I think for this weekend, um, you know, really try and indulge your curiosity. Really try and think, um, you know, what are the things I really wish I'd figured out? Those things that, you know, I've been acting on this assumption for quite a while, but it's something I really want to scrutinize. Um, and yeah, hope you have a great time. Thank you.